Welcome to Icon Underground Radio for the week of June the 8th, 2016. I'm Jen. I'm Alex. And I'm David. So as these things tend to happen, uh, last week some very big news broke immediately after we recorded our episode. Uh, so we've got some toasty hot week old news uh, to discuss this week and also some slightly less stale news. And then at the second part of the episode, we will be having our uh, Transformer Collector Club book reports. <laughs> uh, we we have all chosen a story from the uh, the subscription service stories they've been putting out recently, uh, and we will discuss it without spoilers because this is you know normally with comics we expect you to have read them already. This not so much so, but we'll let you know. Some some idea of some of them worth reading or worth avoiding. Uh, but first, so, Revolution. That uh, that sure is a thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yes, well, because... Yeah. Like, wasn't it a rumor that Hasbro wanted to make a series of movies out of some of these things? So I guess yeah. this yeah, is there's been stepped comments towards that. They want that. to have their own... There's been comments that Hasbro wants to have their own cinematic universe the way Marvel does and the way that Universal is for some reason trying to do with their monster movies and the way that Warner Brothers is trying to do with DC Comics because, you know, film executives and toy executives see giant dollar signs, the idea of a shared cinematic universe. Yes. Well, that's how Universal started back way back in the day with the monster movies. They were all connected vaguely, and although the crossovers were often kind of boring in a way. But anyway, but... The, this seems... As long as they all have Luke Evans in them, that's okay. <laughs> uh, so I guess this is a way for them to work out ideas for the maybe movies they'll make in comic book form, or to just, as is normally in crossovers, bash your toys together and have fun. Well, apparently after the initial announcement, IDW kind of uh, started giving more interviews hyping it and actually came out and said, they're the ones who approached Hasbro about doing this. Nice. Oh. I mean, I've... I have heard that Chris Ryall, who's doing the ROM comic, is actually, like, a huge ROM fan, uh, and that he had actually been really pushing to get the rights to do, because as, as we mentioned in a previous episode, the rights to ROM Space Knight are complicated. Uh, and so he had been pushing to get Hasbro to to let them just have the straight-up rights to do a ROM comic, uh, and he seems to have succeeded at that. Uh, it definitely looks like uh, they are leaving the uh, Larry Hama G.I. Joe stuff alone. Uh, and it looks like, from what I've heard, it sounds like uh, they're leaving more than meets the eye alone unless James Roberts comes up with a really good story that he wants to do about Rom. You know? <laughs> like, oh, but maybe, it, like, we'll be crossing over with my... the regular everything else Transformers. Yes? Ah. Uh, it it sounds like the biggest impact is going to be in the adjectiveless book. Yeah. Okay, so it at least is crossing uh, which will over continue. Okay. Yeah, it'll continue to be by John Barber and Andrew Griffith. Uh, and with the continuity snarl that is IDW Generation One Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and and that's the biggest thing is that there's not really given that these are primarily Earth based. Well, not entirely Earth-based properties. Well, Brahms space-based and the Micronauts are Microverse-based. I don't really see any conflict with either of them, unless uh, 
they start going into awful wink wink nudge nudge micro change references. <laughs> but uh, Ac- Action Man, interestingly, is uh, one of the ones that they brought up. Oh, Action uh, Man. Which is, it was initially mm. the UK's version of G.I. Joe. Yeah. yeah. And then in the 80s, it was Action Force. And then they did, like in the, the 90s, they did like a sort of... I don't know, action, superhero-y, sort of James Bond Jr. kind of thing. Uh, with with the uh, the competing company's counterpart being Max Steel. Oh, that was the other uh, and, Oh, and yeah. I remember the, the weird computer-animated Action Man cartoon that was bookended by, like, a live-action Action Man stunt show. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah, that, that was... That was basically their attempt to bring the UK Action Man stuff over here, which uh, didn't really go that well. No, no one cared. But I, I guess, yeah. I mean, people seem to care in, in the UK because that toy line has still been, you know, that's been going for a while over there. Yeah, I think uh, there but was it even is, a more course, recent one that came out, or at least there was a more recent toy line that did come over here, but with no fanfare. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, so that's interesting, but that may be, I mean, it may be just in part because they recognize that the UK is a significant audience for their comics. Hmm. Uh, so they want to bring them in there. Uh, but yeah, G.I. Joe, Action Man, and Mask are all sort of inherently Earth-based. Yeah, uh, so they're, they're really going to be naturally interacting more with the Earth-based Transformers. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you're going to actually have a human cast interacting with the Transformers on a regular basis. They may as well be, like, Matt Tracker and members of G.I. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, pretty much. I also like the idea of, like, if somehow they manage to do, like, a weird Earth-only continuity reboot that doesn't affect any of the Transformers, but just sends the planet back before the Transformers showed up. <laughs> <laughs> and then just, okay, now G.I. Joe and Mask are there and kind of soft restart everything. And then just, okay, if there are Transformers on Earth, it's you're giving us a crossover with at least one of G.I. Joe or Mask. Yeah. I mean, that, that really just seems like a reasonable human response is to create a group like one of those. Yeah. Especially Mask, which I, I described to my... Uh, my younger roommate as being a, a toy line with vehicles that turned into vehicles with guns. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, so yeah, that mask is the natural stepping stone between GI Joe and transformers. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully Venom it, uh, will grow out of Cobra. <laughs> yeah. That fact. Yeah. I mean, they have similar names. They're snake themed. Hmm. Uh, oh, and that's going to be fun too. Giving transformers Cobra to fight. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I I do notice that Micronauts is going to be written by Cullen Bunn, who has done some Ooh. amazing things for Marvel lately. Hmm. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, but yeah, John Barber is doing both the Action Man and continuing on Adjectiveless. Uh, big ROM fan Chris Ryall is doing ROM. Hey, uh, G.I. Joe is uh, Aubrey Sitterson. Uh, mm-hmm. who I am not familiar with, but she apparently has done. I'm going to assume that that's a she. I know Aubrey is one of those names that could go either way. But more, unless he's British, it's probably a she. Oh, no. British people. 
<laughs> but I, I personally, as as long as they don't require James Roberts to do anything, uh, Marigrid Scott, who's going to be on Till All Are One, she she does have a good track record of turning water into wine with <laughs> stories like that. Uh, she's she's done very good things with stuff she's been handed. So it also uh, seems like Till All Are One being like the Cybertron and other colonies politics book instead of the Fighting on Earth book, she'll be relatively isolated from it. But just not as much as more than meets the eye. But just imagine Rom interacting yeah. with Windblade, though. Ah, he'd be so tiny because yeah. he's people sized. Yeah, the the rights for Micronauts are pretty much as complicated as the ones for Rom, so... Yeah. But apparently they managed to get that one, too, so exciting! Yay. And in the preview, our Baron Cars actually looks like Baron Cars he used to, which I'm surprised. Oh, so cool. Yes. So cool. Yes, such a nice so other black news? Oh, Yes, it's very pretty. Uh, it does sort of make me wonder if we're going to get some more Micronauts toys, but then again, we haven't gotten a non-collector gem doll line, so... Well, that does remind me, I am a little disappointed that... Like, I'm not disappointed because the IDW gem comic has apparently been doing very well on its own, mm-hmm. but I want gem to be part of the shared universe, too. <laughs> that That yeah. would be pretty cool, but... Even more so than the original series, it's not very action-oriented. On, on the one hand, I know. On the other hand, I want Cobra to be financially backing and doing all the uh, audio work for a Misfits concert that's trying to brainwash people. So G.I. <laughs> Joe has to roadie for Jem to try to stop them by putting on competing concerts. Yeah. That would be pretty great. Cold Slither could get involved. Well, yeah, Cold Slither opens for the Misfits. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we could we could also complain that there's no pony stuff, but that's that's that a whole seems like it thing. fits less. That would be yeah. a little weird. So, speaking of things that don't seem to fit, uh, there has been news that Anthony Hopkins is going to be in Transformers Five. Yay! As yep. do we have. <laughs> Oh, would he be a robot or a person? Maybe who knows? Is he I mean, be the would next you Kelsey cast Sir Anthony Hopkins and then only have him do voice? Uh, yeah, mean, that would be. They a did. Waste, they but... did it with Leonard Nimoy. True, but Good point. Yeah, it's I. But yeah, maybe he will be a human character. Maybe he's just having a lot of fun lately, I guess. Maybe he mm. was in the, the Thor movies, and he was like, hey, this cheesy action stuff is actually really fun. I'm yeah, going to do some more of this. But that was directed by Kenneth Branagh. That's, that's a little different than Michael Bay. Well, yes, the first one. He wasn't in the second one as much. Where was he? I, I don't know. Yeah, Michael Michael Bay has that really, really strange ability to get, like, super A-list actors for supporting characters in these that movies. Is, that is true. <laughs> if you look at any given Michael Bay movie's cast, you could probably play, is this a Michael Bay movie or a Coen Brothers movie? It's like yeah. a competitive game show. So I don't know if it's just money or whether they're genuinely a lot of fun to make, even though, you know, they're... 
they're really dumb and not well scripted. I uh, guess as long as I you're mean, not... Maybe it's a lot of fun. As long as you're not in the middle of the big action scenes and dangling off things, yeah, they're probably a lot of fun. I'm maybe that enjoy is dangling fun dangling off for... things. Yeah, maybe that is fun for people who are not severely acrophobic. <laughs> Second in casting news after Anthony Hopkins. A dog, apparently. <laughs> yes. Uh... Michael Bay does occasionally do pretty cool things, and apparently he saw this article in the mirror about this, uh, this, she has, uh, epilepsy, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but this poor dog who, uh, had been in a kennel for six years in the UK, and so he brought her to be in Transformers 5 and is working to find her a home. Yes, she, her name is Freya. I assume it's female because that's a female name. Also, he calls her her uh, later on. But but yeah, she has epilepsy and she's been in a shelter for her whole six year life. And they've put her in the movie and they are determined to find her a home. And if they don't find someone to adopt her, then he's going to adopt her. Oh, that's so, sweet. That's, uh, that's pretty adorable. She's she's a pretty cute looking dog. I mean, I, I understand people you know having concerns about adopting special needs pets, but, but she's a very cute looking dog uh, she's uh, some sort of terrier like a big not pit bull but some like similar uh brindle bull terrier. maybe i think she, she look like a model something like that coloring yeah. like that she looks like a good dog <laughs> <laughs> uh so speaking of margaret scott's till all our one comic uh the preview for that has gone up on uh, iTunes, Google Play, the various places that put up a couple pages beforehand. Uh, I personally have not looked at it because I don't want to be spoiled. Uh, but that, yeah, I didn't look at it either. Because wait, was it that? Did she say something about it being actually too spoilery, or was that the last more than meets the eye? Somebody, I remember somebody on Twitter. A recent issue was like, "Oh, don't look at that. They picked pages that were spoilery." It may have been more than meets I the think eye, it though. may have. I, th- I think it was more than meets the eye, but the thing was, it was it was just spoiling things that happened in the first few pages. Oh, well, still. Oh, it did happen in that one. <laughs> yes. uh, that was, yeah, that was uh, Nautica's friendship ceremony. Oh, right. So something big and important happens in the first five pages, and he's yeah. like, you might want to wait for that. Uh, but yes, uh, so that's that means that it should be coming out next week, I believe. Uh, if there are no weird delays. Uh, in additional comic news, uh, there have been, there is a fan animated trailer for season two of More Than Meets the Eye. There is also, uh, as someone pointed out, he also did, yes, the same person did a season one. Uh, it is by The Alexicon on YouTube. Uh, and I will go ahead and link that in the show notes if you check that out on our website on iaconunderground.net. Uh, I'll have a link to that. It's all fan animation. It's not like edited comic book panels or anything. Uh, and it's it's pretty cool. It's yeah. a very loving tribute. Yeah. Yes. And animation quality improved uh, from the first one, which I'd apparently seen the first one and favorited it, but I forgot by the time this one came out. And it, oh, it looks really good. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Yeah, it does look really nice. Uh, back to movie news for a moment. We have additional casting in Transformers 5 is some new cars. <laughs> uh, we and have some old Bumblebee. cars. 
Yeah, we have the very exciting return of Barricade. Which, Yay. okay, I mean, I guess, well, it's it's a card that looks exactly like Barricade. I think it even has To Punish and Slave written over its bumper. Yeah. Or it has something yes. there. It looks a lot. I guess technically Barricade, we didn't see him die in the first one. We saw Bumblebee beat him up kind of half off screen. So having him come back is awesome because... Shit, he was one of my favorite parts of the first movie. Evil cop he was car. the best part. He was. He is the evil police. Uh, speaking of evil, there's also a, a Volkswagen minibus, which I is apparently a Decepticon. Had you where, read that somewhere? It looks like where a VW would normally be on the front of it. It looks kind of like a faded Decepticon symbol instead. I, I can't decide if that's, like, racist or not against Germans <laughs> making them the, the evil car. Well, it'll depend on if he has a German accent or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. The, the air fiend Dr. Go sort of Or if he'll just be a Because he's kind of an old, rusted VW van. Can't, what, what kind... I guess Michael Bay might be the kind of person who would make an evil hippie, but what kind of person would make an evil hippie? They're, like... <laughs> The least capable of evil. <laughs> Baby boomers? Well, competent. Well, uh, I guess. That might be why he's a Decepticon that's still alive. He's incompetently evil. <laughs> or maybe it's just kids and mudflap again. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's the, yeah, and there's a big just, truck thingy that some people say is Hound, maybe? I don't know. It, I don't even know huh. what kind of truck it is. The big green thing. There were, there were other the pictures. The enormous of it. one? Yeah, the, the, yeah, with all Mercedes the headlights on the front. Or other. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. we, oh, uh, I think Bay put out a picture of the side of it where it had little scratched out Decepticons on the side of it, like he, the kill nice. counts. That does sound mm-hmm. like Hound. <laughs> that doesn't sound like Hound at all. On the side of it, which is a little weird. I guess if you mean it sounds like movie hound, I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, it sounds like one. John Goodman being yeah. fat and happy. I, I try to forget that Age of Extinction happened, so that's why I had the brief moment of confusion. <laughs> and then we also all forgot that Dark of the Moon happened because Barricade gets killed in that. Yeah, he well. wasn't Dark of the Moon? Oh, I, I guess there uh, was. According something. to the wiki, he was. Oh, right, there was. I don't remember him having any lines, but yeah, I guess there was a Barricade colored shaped robot in there that got moitered along with Soundwave and various other people. You know, they're robots. Who can really say what it takes to kill yeah, them? If, yeah. If you don't see them explicitly discarded after being torn in half, you don't know they're dead. <laughs> Jess, why? Why did uh, they yeah, do that? that so messed up. Uh, oh, um, there's also a motorcycle uh, with a rider that has a Decepticon symbol on the back of his jacket. So, hollow avatar or Decepticon sympathizer? Yeah. yeah. Or pretender, I, I like would... we had Alice in oh, right, yeah. Revenge of the Fallen, because apparently they did like a $1.5 million test of that special effects sequence, and they weren't going to waste that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would guess probably hollow avatar, but... Who knows? Yeah. We will know next year. Whether we want uh, there... to or not. <laughs> Some of us might not find out until it comes out on Blu-ray. Yeah, well, I'll probably see it anyway. The, the new uh, Camaro version of Bumblebee doesn't look much like a Camaro. Then again, the last few don't make me think of Camaro anyway. 
Yeah, that front end isn't very Camaro-ish. It's no, too rounded. It, it's like a BMW front end or something. It, yeah, it's like a BMW i8 or like a McLaren P1, yeah. but like a Camaro trying to be one of those desperately. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> it just looks very European. Yeah. It's the 67 Camaro of 2010's Camaro, 20-teens Camaros. <laughs> and it's worth noting, he just has a black hood and roof. He doesn't actually mm-hmm. have stripes anymore. Uh, uh, that's, no, no, it's not good. So, other news. Uh, on the subject of uh, Transformers and G.I. Joe crossovers, uh, there's a new Transformers G.I. Joe crossover San Diego Comic-Con set coming up. Uh, it has a Rattler in Power Glide colors and a Hiss Tank in Soundwave colors. Hey, wait, is, Sadly. Was that a Hiss mm-hmm. 2 or a Hiss 3 or Hiss? It was one of the later Hiss versions. Maybe it was a Hiss oh, 4. No. I forget. Hiss Tank. <laughs> is his Tank. Yeah. Yes, it's his Tank. <laughs> Uh, the the important thing is, much like the previous ones they've done like this, it does not transform. No, looks neat though, but and none of these characters, none of these characters are Doctor Biggles Jones, so my interest is limited. Yeah. I care about Doctor Biggles Jones. Oh, make uh, a Doctor Biggles Jones Robo Joe two pack, <laughs> and I guarantee you they'll sell exactly three of them. <laughs> More than that. Yeah. At least a dozen, maybe. Also, aren't these, like, the only G.I. Joe figures coming out this year? No, there's also that, uh, basic, uh, not basic, uh... There's some other, like... Combiner Wars Legends class? Hmm, that's gonna have some G.I. Joes? Well, I mean actual G.I. Joe figures. Yeah, actual Joe toys. I think... Not, like, Joe-based vehicles. Ah, fair enough. Well, there's uh, whatever comes out at the Joe convention, which will be pretty much everything that will come out this year. I think there was a two-pack of something that came out this year, but I think that was, like, it for Joe Toys. Wow. Yeah. Poor G.I. Joe, man. Uh, there but for the grace of Primus go us, <laughs> all the Transformers fans. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, I was I've, wrong. I've... The Decepticon Viper was last year, and I missed it because distribution near me sucks. Oh, right. Uh, Little, um, oh, what the hell was That's a bad place to be. Viper. I guess, is it Viper? Something like that. Yes, it was Viper. Little Power Glide Rattler. Yep. Yay! They could all be friends. I've, I've seen the only San Diego Comic Con exclusive I need, which is that She-Ra, but. (laughs) You don't want the Wily Kit and Wily Cat, or the, uh, bizarre Guardians of the Galaxy themed Marvel Legends set? Oh, I didn't see no. that. Mostly I just saw Shockmaster and was like, ha Shockmaster, and I just moved on. <laughs> oh, you nice. moved on with your life. <laughs> yes. uh, so that is all the news we have for this week. Uh, actually, a fuller news week than we've had in a while. Yeah. It's uh, but n- So now we will get to our book reports. Uh, David, if you would tell us what book you read and <laughs> <laughs> and what you thought about it. Ah, Life Finds a Way, A Tale of Masters and Mayhem, which is, it's Fractal, the new Combiner Wars toy, Fractal, who's a redeco of the Pterosaur from the convention toy, 
But Fractal comes from an old reed deco of Pterosaur previously as a little green, a green with golden spotted little fellow. Apparently Cybertron's destroyed. I guess I should have read some of the other stories that have happened in this series. <laughs> Oops. Oh, uh, and, and tell us who it's by. Oh, um, And uh, any other credits involved. It's written by Matt Frank. Illustrated by Matt Frank. Colors by Goncalo Lopez and Paul Hanley. But Matt Frank, the guy who mostly draws Godzilla comics for IDW, he did some... I think he did some Transformers issues, but I forget what there was. He one he of the did Spotlight comics. Trailbreaker. Oh right, with, with the face. which means yes. that he was the one who established the Force <laughs> Field face. Yeah, he's a giant Godzilla and Ultraman fan. He has a podcast called Giganticast. Cool. In the comic, Fractal escapes from destroyed Cybertron, crashes on weird alien planet. Covered with giant chitinous bugs that are trying to sacrifice him. He gets saved by four female raptors with feathers. And this insane adventure that happens on the planet with the giant bugs and the lady raptors. The raptor comes. Does it become a, does it become a harem story? No, actually. (laughs) Good. Spoilers. Two of the raptor girls nuzzle each other. Aww. there's that. There's That's nice. how it and, should be. Yeah, that, that, that was cute. There's also a few... There's allusions to other Beast Wars characters, and there's, of course, Jurassic Park jokes. <laughs> well, the, the, the title is There Jurassic has to Park. be. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It could have used another passive editing. There were a few typos in there, like or instead of, but... Maybe that's just be, me being nitpicky. Oh, they could hire me for that. I'd do it. They'd have to pay me. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, it's too late now. Yeah. But uh, it's a good little story. It's worth right. a read. Matt, Matt Frank can write as well as draw. As as we have determined, who was that who wrote, who was normally an artist who wrote a Transformers story recently that was terrible? Um, I don't know. Well, th- that's a... Uh, continuing problem kind of of artists not just of Transformers it's like we get so used to art that when we get to writing we overwrite things and our words interfere with the pictures we should be drawing oftentimes take less words when you have make your own comic but but this is all words so it's fine with a few little drawings of raptors and things that are adorable yay all right, and Alex, what did you read this week? I read The Toxic Transformer with uh, writing by Luke Thompson, a uh, cover image by Dan Kana with inks by Jake Eisenberg, and colors by Thomas Deere on that cover. And the cover is actually a pretty neat parody of the uh, Toxic Avenger movie poster. <laughs> Sweet. That's probably the best part of the short story, not because the short story is necessarily bad, but because this is kind of like the... Well, it does what the story wants to do so much more succinctly. What the story needs to do is explain an origin for Toxitron and then explain why the hell he's a wrecker. <laughs> what? When did he become a wrecker? Uh, when he became the uh, torso for the club combiner wrecker thing. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it explains him, his powers, how he was created as some kind of Decepticon experiment. He murders some 
random no-name Autobots for no apparent reason. There's a bit of an attempt to make you empathize with them before they die horribly. And then, time skip to after the war, the Wreckers find him and unlock him from the stasis thing that he was put in by the Decepticons because they couldn't control him. And, hey, you want to be a Wrecker? Sure. (laughs) You won't fit in with the rest of the Autobots. You want to be a Wrecker. (laughs) And it ends with the classic Wrecker's final line, which is just ripping off the first line of any uh, new character introduction in an X-Men book. (laughs) (laughs) Is he the best he is at what he does? No, but he probably won't survive the experience. Ah. I Similarly, I was going to ask when you mentioned uh, the, the Autobots being given enough characterization for you to feel bad for them. That reminded me of Chris Claremont's habit where the more, like, a random civilian character who shows up, the more you're told about, like, their life and their family and stuff, the oh. better the chances they're going to die within a page or two. <laughs> the quicker they're going to die. <laughs> yes. All right. So overall, what do you think? Uh, I thought it spent a bit too much time going into too much detail about trying to explain Toxitron and kind of over-explained it to the point where it left more questions unanswered than it answered, hmm. ah. based on how they described his powers. And uh, the whole Wreckers thing at the end is just kind of disjointed and disconnected from the rest of it. So like, if, if you want that exposition, read it. It's that long, and the writing's not bad, but it's entirely skippable if you don't care about why Toxitron is a combiner torso and a wrecker and also kind of the Toxic Avenger. (laughs) Because of reasons. (laughs) Well, what I read this time was uh, The Truth We Make by Justin Severson, uh, illustrations by Paul uh, Euroman, I believe that is. It's it's a funky font, but I think that is a V (laughs) or a U. No, that's a V. Roman. Sorry. Paul Roman. Uh, colors by Jesse Wittenrich. Uh, this one does have a handful of illustrations throughout the story, uh, which are pretty good illustrations. I think uh, I'd have to go through and count, but a handful of them. Uh, normally, I would say that I am like the worst person to do these things because I am actually like a professional editor. <laughs> and therefore, I am super, super fussy about things. And I am the sort of person who like regularly gets 67 pages into a book and it's just like this is terrible i'm not reading it anymore uh but actually uh the one i picked was pretty good uh i did not see any proofreading issues uh like like you encountered david uh so that (laughs) being being an editor and having having been working on an editing job all weekend that was a mindset i had to get out (laughs) of but fortunately there wasn't anything to trigger that but additionally it, it is actually a very interesting very psychological story because it is about uh the double spy punch and or counterpunch uh, and actually, we'll leave that and or in there because that is kind of the crux of the story is about who he is, which one of them is actually the original one and which one is the uh, adopted persona hmm. uh, and, you know, how how he got to be the way he was a little bit of backstory. Uh, but, yeah, overall, it's it's a very good story. There's a lot of good dialogue in it. The descriptions are good without being 
overwrought. Uh, I've I've come to occasionally mention things I'm uh, I'm editing as amateur hour, and this definitely did, did not bear any of the hallmarks that I tend to see during amateur hour. Uh, Add overuse of. Uh, adjectives and such. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very well written. It's a very interesting story. Uh, it's very psychological. Uh, it's got mysteries to it that keep you reading to see what exactly is going on with it. So it's very well paced. Uh, so yeah, I would say absolutely. It's the truth we make and it's the counterpunch story. So if you look on their website, it's going to be the one with counterpunch's picture on it. Uh, so yeah. I suppose if you were to, uh, it, it sounds like if you were to pick one of these to read, that would that would be the one. Yeah, uh, because yeah, it was. Well, if, it was if really you want good. raptor action, go with uh, Matt Frank's one. But uh, yeah, this one sounds the, the best. I'm probably going to read it as soon as we're done editing. Yeah, I'm going to throw it to my Kindle. Maybe read it during lunch tomorrow. Yeah, I I actually had to kind of uh, fight fight others off for this, uh, but actually Justin had. <laughs> asked me to give this a read uh, privately because, you know, because this is the sort of thing I do for a living. Uh, he did not ask me to talk about it publicly on the podcast, uh, but but I called dibs on it because of that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good story. Definitely recommend reading it. All right. And I think that is actually it for this week. Uh, we will be back next week with Till All Are One. Uh, see how Windblade and Starscream are doing on Cybertron. Uh, and of course, with whatever break, whatever news breaks 12 hours from now, uh, <laughs> while, while David's editing and we have finished our recordings already. Uh, so until next week, uh, this is Jen. And Alex. And David. <laughs>